0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and this is a Feisty Media production. And today I am so, so excited to welcome Ashley Mulman pazio to the podcast. So normally Ashley is on podcasts talking about her career as a professional cyclist racing things like the Tour de France Femmes of X-Swift, she's the e-world champion in cycling, uh, just so many Palmares that I can't even list them all here. But today, we're actually not just talking about her professional career in cycling. We're talking about her professional career outside of cycling. She has Rocacorba Cycling, which is a guest house just outside of Girona in Spain. Uh, she also has some really great stuff going on with her partnership with Zwift, where she's hosting a ton of virtual rides, getting more girls on bikes, more women on bikes. And really, we're talking about how she balances all of these different inputs. You know, they're all cycling related, sure. But they're also all very different with what they're demanding from her at any given time. So, I mean, pro cycling alone, especially now for women, is such a huge thing and it's such a long season So to be able to still have all of these other projects going on at the same time, and for really good reason, uh, is just so, so impressive to me. We also talk about how she navigated the pandemic with a newly opened guest house, uh, especially in one of the most locked down areas in the world, but how she actually pivoted that to spend more time on Zwift and how that's actually gone really, really well for her. So this episode is just absolutely fascinating. If you're into professional cycling, you're going to love this very behind-the-scenes look. And even if you're not, you're going to really enjoy this, I think, just for hearing how someone can have sort of these three different facets of their career really knit together really well. And if you've listened to me talk, you know I love a good Jill of all trades discussion talking about how to kind of do all of these different things, lean into all these different passions. So I definitely loved this conversation, and I think you will too. So without further ado, enjoy this chat with Ashley Woman pazio All right. Business of Fitness here with Ashley Moulin-Pazio. Hi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to sort of talk about women's cycling and your career and how the heck you're doing all of the things you're doing. So yeah, welcome.
1: Hi, Malia, Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So you just mentioned you're in from a hard interval session. Uh, how, How did it go? How's training going in the new year?
1: Yeah, training's going really well. Um, it's obviously the big sort of build phase uh, for the upcoming season. So it means long hours and yeah, longer intervals. Um, so it can be quite tiring. Um, but yeah, it's good. The sun was shining today in uh, Girona, so can't complain nice nice
0: now do you feel like since when you started racing to now you're racing like a longer season it almost feels like at this point even road racers get almost no break before they're already building for the next year
1: yeah i mean the seasons are getting longer and more demanding and of course you know if If you have any aspirations to do multidisciplinary racing so for example like cyclocross or swift racing in the off season it does mean um, that there isn't that much time for breaks but it is really important though to try and find a space um, somewhere in the year where you can really take a break and often it can also be that it's quite good to even mid-season take another mini break Um, so yeah it's always just about sitting down with the coach um, looking at the plan the objectives and you know the racing you want to do and And sometimes it takes a little bit of sacrifice here and there. Um, Obviously, we can't always do absolutely everything we want to do because we do need to respect our bodies and give ourselves rest. But um, yeah, I mean, there's always there's always opportunity to find a bit of rest.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before we get too far down the the rabbit hole of all of this stuff, give us like the quick like 30 second intro of like, how did you get into cycling? You know, you're from South Africa. Now you're living in Girona in Spain. How did how did all of this come about?
1: Yeah, so exactly. I'm South African. Um, I actually got into cycling a bit later in life in that I only really discovered my talent uh, while I was studying at university. So I actually have a degree in uh, chemical engineering um, and directly after completing my studies, um, decided to make the move over to Europe um, to try to crack it. Um, as a professional cyclist, being South African, it does mean that I needed to make the move to Europe because uh, pro cycling on the road is is very Eurocentric. Um, so it required being based in Europe, you know, to be able to race week in, week out, and um, yeah, and to climb up the ladder uh, to get to the top. And yeah, I mean, I must say i'm i'm very grateful uh to to be one of the best cyclists in the world so you know i've experienced a very fulfilling journey um as a cyclist you know as i said starting a bit later i had to learn really fast um i had to take risks um but yeah the journey has been super fulfilling um i've grown a lot as a person uh through the whole process and uh yeah very grateful to be uh, riding for aging insurance pseudo quick step it's quite a mouthful um, but it's a, a new elite uh, women's team so partnered with uh, the quick step men's team so you know we have a uh, under 23 under 19 and an elite team and then of course also the men's team so it's a really exciting project um yeah and happy to be chatting to you today
0: I love it. I love it. And actually, yeah, congrats on the new team. And this actually made me wonder when you're sort of in that in-between phase of, you know, you have the new team, but you can't announce it yet, but it's the, you know, you're still trying to do the the holidays and you're still technically on the old team, but you're gearing up for the new team. How do you manage that with like the social media? I feel like years ago, it was a lot easier, but now when you're so required to be so present in stuff, it's really tricky, right? <laughs> Yeah,
1: it is kind of tricky. I mean, I'd almost say that cycling could probably um, rethink the sort of calendar year as such. So at the moment, you know, cycling contracts um, run from January to December, but the season sort of runs, you know, if we talk about the season ends usually in October. Um, and then so in November, you would already start sort of thinking about the next year already. So I think almost the the calendar year or contract year could run slightly differently, probably like 1st of November to end of October would make more sense mm-hmm. uh, because it does mean that if you are changing teams, you know, November and December is a really awkward period <laughs> because you're already very much engaging with your new team um, to start the preparation for the next year because our preparation starts around then for the new year, but you're still riding in your old team kit and on old team equipment, or maybe sometimes you've made the switch over to um, your new equipment so that you can get used to it. So it's, it's quite tricky, and it takes a little bit of, um, you know, a balancing act, and especially on social media, you have to be uh, very, very cautious because, um, you know, you, you need to respect the people that are still paying your salary at that point in time. So mm-hmm. you don't want to give, like, conflicting um, exposure you know, to maybe the wrong bike brand or the wrong sunglasses brand. So yeah, it takes some juggling. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, but yeah, w- we have to we have to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine for you, it's even tougher because you're in such a, a cycling hub. You have so many people around, not just pro cyclists, but also fans and media. Like there's a lot of people converging on Girona. So I feel like going out in like your new team kit, you have to be so sneaky about it. So that must be just so tricky, especially, and then you have the holiday season on top of that. Like, I don't envy bike racers at the end of December, honestly. Yeah, well, it, it actually just means being super
1: professional about it. So, you know, I, I wear, for example, I was wearing my Works kit until the 31st of December. And actually, strangely enough, uh, right now, we have a slight delay on getting our full um, kit for the new team um, in that, you know, it was only announced on the 12th of December uh, whether or which teams made the World Tour because we were um, applying for World Tour status and that requires a special logo on the on the kit. Um, and so, 12th of December is a really short turnaround to get your kit printed uh, by the 1st of January. So right now, actually, I I have some summer gear from the new team, new team in terms of like a short sleeve and and short bibs, um, which unfortunately the weather's not quite good enough for that just yet. So also riding around in sort of neutral kit um, as well, but like for example in that case I really try to be as professional as I can so um you know luckily in Girona we have so Castelli is the kit sponsor for the new team and we have um the one and only Castelli um store in Girona so it was quite a nice opportunity to do an activation for them and and go shopping and get some some cool Castelli neutral Castelli kits so that was quite fun but yeah it's quite challenging and I think that's where the benefit comes in being around for a while. You know, this is now my 14th season uh, in the pro peloton. So, you know, I've been around for a while and I think uh, I really get it. And especially because I also do other things and run my own business, I really do appreciate, you know, what it means to be professional. Um, so I think I'm less inclined to make mistakes these days. Um, but, yeah, of course, for the youngsters, it can be quite overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to say I caught you say the the word professional and really kind of underscore that and I think that's something that a lot of younger athletes maybe don't understand or you know you see cycling as this, you know, super fun thing that you don't really have to think about all of these different inputs but having like managed a team before, I know just how tricky it is to kind of deal with all of the sponsor commitments, all of, you know, the the social requirements, all of the kit stuff like it's so much. I mean, how do you keep track of all of it? Like are you do you have like a, a spreadsheet you're using or calendars? Or how do you how do you manage like the training and then the professional side of it? Well, I mean, I
1: think um the benefit in sort of getting into things a bit later in life in that I, you know, studied a degree in chemical engineering, which is quite a demanding degree. Um, as it is, you know, it's very much analytical problem solving or even sort of project management mindset. A lot of engineers go into project management means that I have an advantage uh, in that I have that uh, behind me and maybe have a, a better organizational skills or a better understanding of, of all of that. Um, so I think that definitely helps, but it does also mean that I have a team of people around me. You know, So for example, um, I have a personal manager, which is becoming more and more prevalent in women's cycling, especially as women's mm-hmm. cycling is taking sort of those big steps up, um, and that definitely helps a lot. So, if there's ever any uncertainty, it's always good to send a message to to your manager saying, "Hey, what do you think? Um, can I do this, or, or should I?" Um, and they're always very helpful. Um, and then, of course, you know, I I, I am kind of lucky. But yeah, in that, you know, I have other things going with with my business, Rock Corps uh, which is a cycling tourism and a hotel business. So I have, you know, staff members or or members of the Rock Corps bicycling team who I can also, you know, flesh things by, sit down, ask, ask opinions. Um, so that definitely helps. But yeah, it can it it can be quite overwhelming at times. And it's something simple, like uh, recently, um just before the new year, I was out on a training ride and I was wearing the new sunglasses so oakley uh for this year and it it wasn't yet the first of january and i took out my my phone to make a video for social media and suddenly i thought in my mind oopsie maybe i should take my glasses off and do that again because you know it is easy to make mistakes and i think that's where um there is a lot of room uh for sort of this kind of training, um, especially for the younger riders. I, I'm definitely an advocate for, you know, some sort of complementary studies as well. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone should study um chemical engineering because you know, women's cycling is taking that that big step up, which is absolutely amazing and, and great for the sport. So it means we need to see more youngsters, you know, coming straight into the sport. And there isn't necessarily time for such a demanding degree, but I think that there is always um, scope and yeah, I mean, there's definitely benefit in incorporating, um, these kind of trainings into the pro cycling space to help the youngsters learn just a little bit about marketing, about, um, financial management, about, you know, just some of these skills that could help them to be, to be more professional and set them up, uh, for a career, um, after cycling.
0: Not to give you a third job to add to your list, but I feel like this is an online course that you could be uh, you could be teaching here. Yeah, I think
1: there's definitely space for a, a syllabus, uh, a, a pro sport specific syllabus uh, to be put together. It's it's definitely something on my radar, something I want to work on. But yeah, I haven't got to it yet.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, on uh, on bad days or like after you've had like a tough race, do you ever just like think? oh my gosh, I should have just gone for the chemical engineering. I could be working a nine to five right now and just everything would be figured out and it wouldn't be just all of these inputs or are you just like, you're good. This is the decision. Everything's awesome. I
1: mean, for sure there are times where it's really tough and especially, you know, pro cycling is a particularly hard career for that very reason. As you say, like we can put a lot of um, time preparation into races and arrive at a race in in the best possible shape and then it just takes a puncture to totally derail um your aspirations and prevent you from from achieving your goals and so yeah it it takes a sort of a big mind mentality to get through all of this because it does mean you know you have to sometimes just you know do the analysis, see what went wrong, and try and move on as fast as possible and think of the bigger picture, the next goal. Um, so it is really, really challenging. And, yeah, there are times where it it, it does feel like, oh, if only I had a, a normal 8 to 5, it obviously would be a lot easier. But, yeah, I mean, as I said, the personal growth I've experienced through my cycling career, I'm just really grateful for, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever these type of challenges come along, you know, it's good to kind of – you know, sit back and remind yourself. Um, you know, of the the person you, that I have become, of the the personal empowerment that I've I've experienced through cycling, and then that kind of remotivates one to to get back up and and keep going.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's cool. We're now seeing a lot more women able to kind of do these non traditional careers, right? I mean, I'm sure when you first started, it was what like at least half the women in the pro peloton had other jobs, like other full time jobs that they had to do and now it actually is possible and not just in the peloton also like all alongside of it we have so many more women who are doing the nutrition doing like the you know team management doing the team directing jobs like it's it's a completely different landscape for women like in the sport of cycling in the past decade yeah definitely I mean as I said it's my
1: 14th season this year in the pro peloton and I've definitely seen a massive shift and a lot of changes um over the years and I it's really I'm I'm so happy to to be part of this shift and I think and um, the most important of which was really the the Tour de France farm of X Swift last mm-hmm. year and that was really like a yeah a, a very important moment in women's cycling that's really created this massive shift um for the entire peloton and I'm really grateful you know to be to be part of that and and not to have missed the boat you know in terms of retiring um before i could be part of it and yeah exactly as you say it's you know it's become so much more professional you know the peloton the resources the the team support infrastructure has grown drastically over the years and we're seeing that take even another big step forward with um the inclusion of the women's peloton in the tour de france um so yeah more Women are also uh, becoming involved in terms of directors, mechanics. I have a female mechanic this year, which is a first. Amazing, woman. and it's super cool. Her name is um, Sana, and she's just absolutely amazing. Um, and so, it's really great to see this happening more and more. And I think it's it's a couple of things. You know, it's it's firstly the fact that all these great changes are happening, and there is. And more equality now there is more money um, in women cycling more exposure um which then makes it more attractive as a proper career path for women but then it's also great to see how um, the industry brands and sponsors also very much supportive of the fact that you know a woman should be able or or should be supported to to have a child as well so even during her career um, because I think that was definitely that's a big change that I've seen um, through my careers that I always you know thought before that I would have to give up my career um, if I wanted to start a family but now we're seeing more and more women um, who are having children and still continuing to to ride or to do their job. You know, for example, in Estyworks last year, our nutritionist, um, you know, she's just had a baby, but, you know, the team has supported her, kept her on board. And they've, yeah, they've just had to change things a little bit and, and compensate uh, for the fact that she needs to be home more. But they've found a way around it and then, you know, teammate, past teammate from last year as well. Chantal fandenbroek Block, also pregnant, um, but still very much part of the SD works team. So I think these are all very positive changes that have taken place, um, which mm-hmm. has helped the women's sport uh, progress forward.
0: Yeah. Although I have to admit, like to me, that's such a, a stressful decision for women to have to make the, even like picking like what year do you want to try to have a baby? And, you know, when are you trying to do it in the season? And what's the, the comeback going to look like? Uh, I can't even fathom having that in my brain as I like, as you're also trying to, to train and race and sort of be ready for that.
1: Yeah. I have to be honest. I haven't quite gotten my head around that either, <laughs> you know, so I'm still very much the professional cyclist that you know, I'm very much, you know, committed to my career and to being the best possible cyclist that I can be. And, you know, I'm not even a hundred percent convinced that, that that is conducive to to falling pregnant, to be honest. So I haven't quite gotten my head around that one either. Um, mm-hmm. And so we'll, you know, we will see uh, where I go in that space, but I think it just is good that it is happening more. Yes, absolutely. We see that it is supported. Um, Yeah, it's still, for example, some women might still choose that you know to be a mother, they need to step away um, from the pro sport. But it is just, it's good to see that it's being oops and accounted for. (laughs) Sorry. My dog.
0: <laughs> oh, you're all right. I feel like even though I have headphones on, my dog still just like looked up like, what? Dogs? <laughs> 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 um, coming back to the Tour de France Femmes of XWIFT. how was it on that start line? And I mean, how do you handle the enormity of that situation? Like you are on the start line of the Tour de France, like this thing that women have been you know, fighting for pretty much since like the inception of it you're on the start line of it. So there's like this big, like, I imagine your heart must've been like bursting, but you're also at the start line of a bike race that you need to be like all in on. How do you, how do you balance those feelings? Um,
1: yeah. I mean, it was a really, really special moment and, and very overwhelming. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we all had kind of sort of prepared ourselves for this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been, as I said, in the propeller on for many years and, there was actually a moment where I thought I would really never race the Tour de France, um, because, you know, it just didn't seem like it was ever going to happen at some point. You know, we've been fighting for it for so many years and the ASO just didn't seem, uh, to be changing, uh, their viewpoint on, on women's cycling. And so yeah, it was, it was really amazing to see how I, I honestly believe the COVID pandemic uh, was the turning point in terms of, of, um, opening the eyes of the ASO. Uh, to the popularity of women's sport and the fact that it needs to, we need to have our Tour de France uh, fun. And of course, a big, a big um, shout out to Zwift for obviously making it happen as well. You mm-hmm. know, so I think the Tour de France, um, the virtual Tour de France during the COVID pandemic, uh, was definitely on Zwift. Was definitely um, the eye opener for the ASO because they really realized, you know, the the viewership numbers were there, people were interested, um, and so that's obviously what what allowed us the next step to have the Tour de France Femme. Um, and yeah I mean it was a really overwhelming moment because not only was it like lining up on the Tour de France that we've all been dreaming about and fighting for for so many years, it was also a pretty stressful stage because it's um, it was in the centre of Paris and on the cobblestones of the Champs-Élysées. So you know, lining up on the start line, I think all of us had goosebumps. And then, you know, within a couple of seconds, you have to kind of get your mind switched on um, and particularly switched on because it was quite a, a hectic and dangerous stage. But I think it just, it was the crowds and just oh, just the hugeness of the moment that we all just rose to the challenge and, and put on just such an amazing show. And I think it was a really great um start for the, the first edition of the tour de france farm of Zwift, swift and it's a memory that will, will will remain in in my
0: mind for many many years mm-hmm. yeah it, even just watching it online like chills for <laughs> probably the entirety of the first stage um and you did mention the tour de france that they ran on zwift the year before and you are the esports world champion um how did adding esports change the game for you? Because I, I feel like that's a whole other, it's a it, It's a different sport. Like it's cycling, but it's different. And it also is like a pretty added, like it's a big commitment on top of already doing all of the things. Yeah. So, I mean, I
1: suppose, you know, one of the big reasons why I could so quickly Um, Embrace the virtual world and the opportunity it presented was partly to do with the fact that I had um, my own business for recycling which was very heavily affected by the COVID pandemic and being uh, you know a a hotel business we had to close Um, and so you know with the hard lockdown in Spain at the same time because I was in Spain at the time um, you know, I had two options. I either, you know, sat on the couch and felt sorry for myself, or I embraced the challenge um, and gave eSports and indoor training a try. Um, and I think, you know, essentially in the beginning, um, the big motivation was the fact that how do we stay real- as a business, you know, in this period that, that we are completely shut down and we can't welcome any guests. And that's where Zwift presented a really great opportunity to stay connected with past and future guests by hosting rides on the platform uh, for these people, you know. So um, the social element was the first draw card. The social element and the reach of the virtual world was the first draw card for me um, to embrace it and to get on the platform. And then obviously as the lockdown continued um, and I couldn't go out to train, I did my best to embrace um, Zwift as a training tool as well. And in the beginning, it was really tough, because I think one of the biggest challenges of training indoors and, and on Zwift is the fact that it, it is that much harder than, than the outdoors. Um, so it's a totally sort of, well, not a different stimulus, but, well, it is a different stimulus, which complements, you know, I learned that during the process, um, but you know, your muscles, it's a little bit more like resistance work, like pushing weights in the gym. So to produce the same power on the indoor trainers, what you do outdoors, it's that much harder and it takes time and it, and you need to allow your body the time to adapt. So the first couple of interval sessions were really hard um, and yeah, mentally hard as well. Uh, but I just kept at it, um, started. And I think, you know, that's where the platform and the game also helped the process, you mm-hmm. know, because... You know, if I was just training on an indoor trainer like years ago where you're all alone and all you're listening to is music and you're trying to push on this indoor trainer and there's nothing else engaging you, then I think at some point you just crack. But at least with Zwift, you know, there there are other elements. So I started to realize, well, okay, you have the Alpha Zwift. I can use it very much like rocka uh, the climb that's, that's in my backyard um, and that I use for interval training. I can go to the base. I can do my interval set turn around, go back down again and do the repeat again. So you started, you know, it started to create, you know, other interest, you know, to keep me engaged. Um, And then, you know, as the weeks went by, my body adapted and I started to push the same power numbers that I would outdoors. And then I sort of switched on to the fact that, OK, I'm getting stronger through the process um, and so, yeah, it's a couple of things. Uh, but now, I mean, uh, through all this experience and and being able to identify all the benefits of Zwift, you know, the social, the reach, and the training benefit of it, now it's something that's become very much part of my daily life. You know, I mm-hmm. still train on Zwift um, regularly. I do one intensity session a week because it makes me stronger. Um, it's like I said, it's a bit of combination between Um, you know resistance training in the gym and but in a cycling specific context in that you know you you're not pushing weights um, and building other muscle that you don't need you you're doing it during your interval sets, so you're building the muscle that is specific to cycling Mm -hmm. Um, so that's that's one thing and then the other thing is of course in terms of the training benefit of it is that it's a very much a a secure safe environment Um, you don't have to worry about any other any other dangers or obstacles in the road you can just focus on getting the best out of yourself during Uh that set so it's definitely also helped me um, to kind of create those neurological pathways you know where you're pushing really hard during the interval set to be totally in the zone and and making that um, full connection between you know body and mind and getting the best out of yourself so it's made me a better athlete Um, and yeah, that's what that's what made me decide. You know, I want to find a way to embrace it as a different discipline and to use it as part of my preparation uh, for road cycling. And that proved to be very successful last year. Um, you know, I really I had my best season um, in terms of of the shape that I was in. I won my first World Tour race. You know, after 13 years in the pro peloton, I won the Tour of Romandy. At the end of the year. unfortunately, I had bad luck during the Tour de France Femme, which is where I planned to have this will Tour win. Um, but I fell ill with a stomach bug, unfortunately, in the late stages of the race. Um, so it was really great to to make up for that disappointment in the in the Tour of Romandy, and now super motivated to um, to get back this year. Uh, I have unfinished business there. Um, so <laughs> I definitely believe that um, you know indoor um, training on Zwift um, complements the the real life as well and so i think mm-hmm. it, it's such a fitting um relationship you know with swift being the title sponsor of uh, the tour de france fun
0: yeah and i mean even on a even on a business level it does feel like esports is really coming up where like doing esport is actually like just as valid as racing cyclocross or racing track sort of in your, your quote-unquote off season from the road so it mm-hmm. seems like that's it's a really interesting space to be in so it's, it's- great that you kind of had got forced into it
1: (laughs) forced into it but super happy that Mm -hmm. I you know that I embraced it because I think there there's still a big percentage of you know the traditional road cyclists because that's also the reality of road cycling is that it's sort of steeped in tradition and it does mean that it kind of somehow limits the thinking of of quite a lot of people you know um it's all about history and and, yeah, I mean, the Tour de France is very historical, but um, I think there's still a lot of room for, you know, traditional road cyclists to open their minds uh, to the virtual world and, and to indoor cycling on a platform like Zwift because there mm-hmm. is um, there is they definitely complement one another. And there's huge opportunities, especially on, on Zwift, for example, to grow female participation. And I suppose yes. that's what also led me to – to one of of my other projects, uh, Corba Collective, which is a a virtual cycling community, um, focusing on women at this point in time. I mean, it is open to to men as well, but our focus is on women and on creating that safe, um, inspiring space for women to to come together and uh, to get the best out of themselves in terms of cycling and hopefully, you know, take those next steps, you know, so we, we try to to do our best to cater for all the different levels from beginner to sort of pro swift racer. Um, and I think that's what just makes swift such a great uh, platform for the growth of, of women's cycling is that I do believe that, you know, building a female fan base and female participation is very different Um to the men's landscape you know women aren't necessarily as um, interested as the men are in terms of like the equipment or even you know the victories or the performances aren't necessarily what, what interests the women like as they get more and more into it then maybe they do become more inspired by that but I think it's more about the relatability piece that sort of sense of belonging to a community and um, you know getting feeling inspired by the story Of the pro athletes and that's where Zwift creates a great uh, landscape to build community you know and um to bring women together where you know on on banded social rides it doesn't matter how fast you're going you can all ride together and you can all chat and share um knowledge and and experiences so yeah I Mm -hmm. think um, Zwift is a great space for for growing female participation.
0: I love that so much, because so many girls, when you ask how they got into cycling, girls and women, it's, you know, I got in because my dad rides, or I got in because my boyfriend or husband rides, and they don't ever have that, like, community of women. So to be able to have that online is huge. Like, that's such a, a major benefit. So okay, where can, where can women find out more about that?
1: Yeah, so um, Rock Corba Collective, we have an Instagram uh, page. I think that's where we're obviously most active in terms of the social media space. Um, there's also a page on our uh, cycling tourism business website, Rocca Corba Cycling, um, which is then just community. So it's quite easy if you go to the rock Cycling dot um, cc, not .com, .cc page. It's quite easy to find the community page um, and to find the links to to sign up. If not, I mean... Uh, We also have weekly social rides on Zwift, which are on the the normal um, Zwift, you know, events calendar. And these are on Sundays. Um, So that's also a great space for people to come and join and and get chatting with me. It's at at 10 a.m. CET um, every Sunday. And then to learn more about uh, the collective um, and hopefully join. Um, But yeah, I mean, the great benefit of the collective. And it's just, uh, I mean, sometimes I still get like, i get goosebumps thinking about how you know it's all you know transpired and how the, the connection you know between the pro racer and the community races how that's all shaped um within the roc Corbett collective so this evening for example um the community racing season is starting again on swift um and our pro Zwift races they are the dss for our community teams so we have uh, community teams across a b c and, and d categories and it's just so awesome to see how these women come together and then just with the support of the pros wither, you know as the ds um, on discord encouraging them giving them tactics you know being there uh, to support them during the race to see how these women are are growing in confidence and and ability um, and then we also have a, a training tier um subscription so it's a paid membership uh, you know where there's a weekly training plan uh, plus we have a great in-house coach um, Helen Bridgman she's a woman uh, which I think is also uh, very important. And uh, she also does uh, coached workout rides on Zwift on a Thursday where um, where people are coached live on Discord. So while they're doing the workout, she's chatting to them on Discord. And this month oh, wow. we've actually opened it up for everyone uh, to try. So every Thursday at 7 p.m. CET, our uh, ride during the month of January is open to everyone uh, to giving it a go. And, yeah, I mean, the feedback we get – uh, from these riots, how people manage to just get more out of themselves in terms of training together with other people and having a coach, you know, chatting to them on Discord and encouraging them. Uh, the feedback has been really great.
0: That's awesome. It's funny for the, I was doing an episode of this show with 2023, like fitness trends. And I was actually saying for coaches, I think Zwift is this platform that is still really underutilized for coaches doing that, like hopping on Discord and running group workouts that way. Because like, what a great way to get everybody kind of on the same page. Huh. Yeah, definitely. Okay, here's the deal. You want to take control of your health, of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results? No, absolutely not. Inside tracker, is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your inside tracker panel, you actually just add the mobile blood draw option and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month and honestly, it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life so convenient and then the turnaround on the results is so quick and instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as a go-getter. So definitely, definitely check them out. Save time in your day, add time to your life with InsideTracker's mobile blood draw. And if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty, you get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20% off today. all of the things that you do make perfect sense and seem like it it really like goes well together you know the pro racer you're running this collective and you have the Rucker Corp actual guest house but then if you actually think about it you're like oh my gosh you're traveling as a racer and you have this in real life guest house oh and also this online community that's so many very different things how do you keep everything that's going on sort of like balanced and also especially with the racing how do you stay focused on the racing when it's time to race when there's all of this other stuff happening in the background
1: yeah i mean i've had to learn how to compartmentalize (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the the most important skill is learning you know especially when it comes to racing you know when i'm away racing you know you know i have to put certain things in a box and say okay it's in the box (laughs) I, i can't i can't open that box right now and, and just come to terms with that um so that's been the the most important skill for me to learn but actually i mean having said that um i really do feel inspired um by this work that i'm doing and so it, it actually makes me a better athlete so you know in the early stages of my career i had um coaches and and managers telling me you know that i needed to stop you know thinking about all these things so i mean i, I think it all makes sense now i mean so I studied chemical engineering. It's a problem solving sort of mindset, analytical mindset. And so, from the onset of my pro career, I've always been thinking, you know, and especially because women cycling, you know you know was in in the space it was in at the time, um you know I was when I first started I wasn't even earning a salary, you know, so I had to be creative around how to make ends meet. How could I be living in a totally different continent? Um, without earning a salary from what I was doing, you know, so from it's the beginning, true. they don't
0: really have like part-time chemical engineers that work remote, right?
1: No, it's, it, yeah, especially when, when you're living in Europe, which is totally different language, you know, Um, so I had to be creative uh, from the word go. And so that meant that I was always thinking, you know, about how to solve the problems sure. of, of women's cycling and how to push it forward. And in the early stages of my career, many people were um, telling me that, I couldn't do that, that I, I had to focus fully on on the pro-career, and that these these thoughts um or being involved in anything else was distracting from my performance. And as hard as I tried to follow that advice and and to eat, sleep, and um, dream cycling, it just it wasn't conducive, you know, to the person that I am. And so finally, um, in 2015, I joined a team, Civelo Bigler, um, and the manager of the team, he he was really great at sort of reading different riders' personalities and and then, you know, allowing each rider to be themselves in that space and to perform in that space. And so he was the type of person who encouraged me. Um, you know, he'd have long conversations with me about women cycling and how to solve the problems of women's cycling. And he encouraged me to, to think about it and to do these things. Um, and so in 2018, when I launched this business, I was part of – his team and i just started to realize that um you know being involved in in uh, these projects the the cycling tourism business and the virtual esports um community that i've built these are the the projects that inspire me because i do i'm more of a purpose driven athlete and you know, i feel you know i get more out of myself feeling like i'm having a positive Im- input or a positive um yeah influence on on the people around me um, and so yeah i mean I thought at one stage that to do everything that I'm doing, I would have to retire. And so that's why last year, you know, I had actually made the announcement in February that I was going to retire at the end of the year because I wanted to be more involved in all of these projects. But then I had the best season of my career. And I thought, Oh, okay. So exactly as I thought, like this is bringing the best out of me. So it just does mean compartmentalizing and having um, a team of Mm -hmm. people around you, you know, so I have to learn to delegate and to, and to have the right people in place to help me uh, do everything that I'm doing. Um, and yeah, I'm very lucky, very fortunate to, to have those people around me who also believe in, in what I'm doing and are helping me uh, to achieve all these ambitious goals.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I have to admit, though, like, running the guest house in Girona, like, that could not sound like a dreamier career. Like, that just sounds, like, you can just imagine how idyllic that sounds. Can you talk about, like, starting it up in 2018 and maybe, like, one or two of the hurdles that it's, uh, that you went through as it's it's gotten up and running, pandemic aside, obviously, because we know that was a big one. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's a really uh, um,
1: beautiful Catalan estate, so it's a it's a, um, a really authentic property. It's um, one of its kind, and we're very very lucky to have found it. <laughs> you know, um, it's interesting. It, it actually was in uh, one family, so the historical name of the property is Can Campullia, so House of Campullia, and it was in the Campulia family for hundreds of years. And we're the first non-Campullia owners, so that was actually quite a big responsibility in itself. Um, But yeah, we moved on to the property in uh, February 2018, and there are three um, buildings, or actually four, but three big ones, um, and two of which are sort of, um, they were, um, workers' cottages or um, or a barn space before, but both had been renovated um, 10 years prior to us uh, moving onto the property. So these were the easiest to sort of get up and running. We had to do some renovation work to make it, you know, sort of guest house friendly in terms of ensuite bathrooms. Um, but yeah, we got right into that work. And by May 2018, uh, we could open with the first two villas um, as accommodation. Um, I was very lucky at the time to have uh, my dad and stepmom who were also out in Spain um, helping us with the project or so running it on a day-to-day basis alongside uh, my husband. So they were really the the people to get it off the ground and, and running because the reality is, you know, I, I'm i not here on, on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, the, the guest house can't rely on me <laughs> to do day-to-day jobs um and then yeah i mean covid pandemic came a little bit sooner than what we would have liked you know because we just you know really picked up momentum and and become really popular and then the covid pandemic hit so that was a big challenge but um you know i think you know blessing is that of course we owned property um so that it it was worth fighting for you mm-hmm. know um it's not to to Pay rent, um, all these types of things. You know, it was really worth fighting um, for the business. And as I said, I think it really challenged us to be creative. It challenged me to to um, embrace the virtual world and then to find the power of it. You know, and and to then see, you know, how how it was possible to to build community, which would also be complementary uh, to the business. And um, during that time. Um, but yeah, as I said, I'm really, really fortunate to have a great team of people around me. So um my dad and stepmom have moved on, um, but my husband is still running the business um on today on a day-to-day basis together with um a great team um of staff who who just make the
0: business what it is today. And
1: um mm-hmm.
0: It really sounds like the chemical engineering degree, while it's not that you're practicing chemical engineering, the problem solving and like managing mindset has done so much for your career and like really allowed you to do all of these things and and be able to handle them and compartmentalize them, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, so that's an interesting one because often people
1: will make the comment like, oh, you're an engineer. Wow. You know, that's a tough degree don't you feel like you've wasted it? And, and I'd be like, my answer is always, no, I've definitely not wasted my degree because I'm using it on a day-to-day basis. And it's allowed me um, to, you know, entertain and start these other businesses on the sideline while I'm still pro. Um, so, yeah, certainly not wasted.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I do have to ask, there's so many cyclists who have businesses and like, stuff like this in Girona and in that area. Do you all have like a professional cyclist who also own businesses like club that you all hang out in? <laughs> or do you get together and be like, how are you handling this? Or how are you doing this?
1: Yeah, I must say Christian Meyer is, I suppose, you know, he was the first um, to make this all happen. Now he's he's um, he's no longer a pro, you know, he's retired and now into running to, to be honest, So he's still very much, um, you know, the whole athlete mindset, but I think he was really the one that showed us, you know, um, what was possible, um, as a pro and yeah, it was his wife. Amber, I suppose that during the time while he was pro was doing, was his, you know, team, um, that made it happen while he, he was pro, but he was really the guy to kind of, you know, lead the way, um, and yeah, from there, you know, more and more pros have followed um, suit. But I must say, I would say I'm probably one of the only female pros um, who's managed to, yeah. to get involved in business, you know, while I'm still pro. And I suppose the big reason um, that I'm a minority at this point is obviously because, you know, um the salaries that we've been earning as, as female pros is very different to, to the male pros, um although it is on the upward trend, which is really great. So it did mean that I had to be a little bit more creative than the men. You know, I didn't have Um, all the access to the capital um, that they do Um, but yeah I mean I think it was again the engineering mindset um, that allowed me to to take those steps to attract other investors to be part of the business and then help me to grow um, my investment at the same time Um, but yeah I it's actually a good point we should almost have (laughs) like a uh at least a yearly get together of all the pros running businesses because i think we could share more information with one another but at this point it doesn't really exist yet so now you've given me another idea yeah i'm like oh no <laughs> <laughs> well
0: if you think about it it's like these all could be working so, so well together it just sort of makes yeah. sense <laughs> i mean i must say
1: christian for example has been super supportive um of of me from from the onset and I think you know I I did reach out to him personally you know for some help here and there um you know and even just to get a coffee machine to to have at our place to make coffees for our guests so um I definitely have reached out to him and and really appreciate the support he's he's given to me um Mm -hmm. but it's I think it's just it's so amazing to see how, you know, more and more pros have realized that there, it is possible to to invest or to start other businesses while you're a pro and you can get them to complement one another um, if you have the right people around you to help you and support you and that it does make sense. I mean, for us with the Roccobo cycling business, um, you know, it, it's made absolute sense in terms of, you know, the marketing part of the business, you know, it's very much uh, led by my pro career and, you yeah. know, racing out there, um, you know, talking on podcasts like this or um, doing GCN videos, you know, all of these um, opportunities are, are very valuable to the business. And so it makes absolute sense to be doing this while I am pro. Um, but it, it takes, um, yeah, it, it, it takes good time management. And, and as I said, having those people around you who are helping you uh, to mm-hmm. achieve everything.
0: Yeah, no, that, I think that's exactly it. Because I think there's a lot of pros who sort of wait till even a couple years after their career. They sort of like coast out of it and then they have a couple years and then they're trying to get something like this started. And it's much harder when you are no longer really like in it and you don't have that very easy marketing or like very like obvious marketing channel anymore. So I think you've yeah. you've done such a, such a good job with that. Um, okay, last thing I wanted to ask you, you have young girls... Say like early teen, early to mid teens, that are like, I want to be a professional woman cyclist. What advice do you give them? Well, I mean, for me, it's always and it sounds a little
1: bit cliche, but this, um, it was actually during my graduation um, that the dean of the engineering faculty gave a speech, and he said, you know he gave the advice to find your passion and to pursue it and um, interestingly enough my passion had nothing to do with engineering (laughs) it was all bike riding at the time but I followed his advice and I had a passion for cycling at the time and so I left you know after graduating left South Africa straight to Europe to pursue my passion um, in cycling and um, the reason why I say this is so important in terms of finding your passion and pursuing it is that especially in pro cycling you really have to love what you're doing, you know, um, to, to find the longevity in it. Because when the going gets tough, gets tough or you face the obstacles that inevitably you're going to face, and whether that's a, a crash or disappointments or injury, um, it's by having that passion and that love for what you're doing that, that it enables you um, to get through those challenges and to come out on the other side. And I think that that speaks a little bit then again to finding that distinction. I think it's very important to have intrinsic motivation, you know, so intrinsic rather than extrinsic, you know, so having that love and passion for what you're doing helps you to get through all these challenges. Whereas if you're motivated by the um, external factors like popularity or fame or, or the freebies in terms of sponsorship that you're getting, um, then it will be more difficult to find your way through the challenges because, you know, when you're injured or not performing, these are the things that that disappear first. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's really important to love what you do.
0: I love that. I love that so much. All right. Before we end this, tell everyone where they can find you and remind everyone where they can find Rocket Corp Cycling, Rocket Corp Collective, all the places.
1: So um, on social media, I'm Ashley Cycling. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the spelling of my name is a little bit complicated. So instead of A-S-H-L-E-Y, it's A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H. Um, but you're yeah, Ashley Cycling on all social media channels. And then, yeah, of Forba Cycling also um, on Instagram. As I said, our web page is Rocco rather than .com. Um, and then, yeah, Rocco Forba Collective on Instagram as well.
0: Yes. And apparently everyone needs to be getting on Zwift to join in on some of these rides. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to wake up. I'm going to have to wake up at 5 a.m. to do these on Sunday. But (laughs) yeah, I'll be there.
1: (laughs) As as we grow, we will start um, adding more uh, time opportunities, you know, obviously to to cater for different time zones. Um, So, yeah, I mean, 10 a.m. on a Sunday is not necessarily the best time for you. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll make it happen at least once here. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley. This was such a fascinating conversation on so many different levels. Yeah. Thanks, Molly. It was great chatting to you. Oh my gosh. How good was that? I will tell you, I did not totally know what to expect going into that conversation with Ashley. You know, I I knew we would talk a lot about pro cycling, a lot about the sponsorship stuff, but to get so in-depth on the Zwift stuff she's doing, the stuff she's doing with the guest house... I was just absolutely fascinated. I highly, highly recommend checking out all of her Instagram accounts. Check out the Rucker Corbis Cycling account. Check her out. Uh, and just, you know, let her know what you think. Let her know what you liked about this episode. Let me know what you liked about this episode. You can find me over at, at business.of.fitness on Instagram or at Molly J. Hereford. Uh, definitely let us know if there is a topic you'd like to hear about. Don't forget, February is going to be financial health, February here. So we are talking about all things money related. So please hit me up with all of your deepest questions about money. Uh, I would love to hear anything you're thinking about, anything you're wondering about. And for those of you who jumped on our call last week to call your shop for 2023, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on there. It was such a blast to hear from a few of you and get some really, really inspirational ideas for the year ahead. So all right. With that said, let's get to work. Enjoy your week and we'll see you next time.